Hello, well, radio fans. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Um, welcome to More to Come, uh, PW's uh, weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. Check us out on all social media at PW Comics Week on Twitter, on uh, let's see, we're on Tumblr, we're not on Instagram yet, but we're working on that, but uh, you'll find us at PW Comics Week everywhere, and Ivan on Facebook. Uh, well, today, uh, this is being recorded from the uh, Beat Home Recording Studio, so you're going to hear a little background noise, but uh, it's all good, construction's going on, building a better world for tomorrow. Joining us today is Frank Santoro. Hi, Frank. Hello. Hi. Now, Frank, I guess I don't know even know what to call you. <laughs> uh, Frankie. <laughs> yeah. um, Frankie's good. I like Frankie. My father is Frank, so yeah. a lot of people feel weird calling me Frankie. So Right. Like well, you are a cartoonist, an educator, and now a landlord, I guess, uh, yeah. of yeah. some kind. But um, you, I, 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 I've been hearing about your efforts to create yet another kind of a comic school or but, but another comic school who needs another comic well school? i think we do i mean it seems to be a pretty popular thing it's not as popular yeah, but as it's to- like jazz schools like they just pump out these jazz kids and like where the hell are they playing there's no they're not playing down on 57th street or something <laughs> um, yeah well let's back up a little bit let's back up a little bit and just sure. so we can set the scene and kind of explain yeah, let's who, not lose the listener yet. Yes, yes. Well, who you, uh, you know, how you got started with this crazy thing. Now, I guess, you know, your first, we'll go back to the 90s. I guess the, the you know, your first debut on the uh, the Bell of the Ball was with Storyville back Yeah, then? Storyville 95, uh, you know, which was carried by something like 12 distributors at the time. Just, you know, which for those of us that can remember back in the old days, you could, you could sell a thousand mm-hmm. comics through the direct market, independent comics, pretty easily. Wow! You know, so um, there was that, <clears throat> and so I was just kind of a left field uh, art comic, but we didn't call them that back then. And um, I got a pretty good response, just uh, from you know the channels that were in place at the time in '95 or so. I had been uh, involved in comics since. You know, 10 years before that, 85, 86, I mean, ever since I was a very young child, but then uh, all the way through my teens, of course, early 20s uh, was when I put out Storyville. And then the market, the industry in North America, uh, for those of you who can remember, just sort of perished. Right. Um, And so just about everybody closed up shop by uh, 96, 7, 8, 9, 2000 was really like, you know, the worst time I remember, <clears throat> and then it kind of turned around. Right. So um, I it was like a phoenix born from the ashes. It was it was, it was a remarkable uh, thing to go through because at every level, like every everybody from like I've heard Jeff Smith tell these stories. I've heard Rob Liefeld tell these stories. I've heard everybody who was doing <laughs> fairly well in the industry at that time having a hard time. So like for example, my uh, p- uh, submission package to Fanographics in 1996 was responded to in 2005. You know, because, wait a minute, no way, really? Yeah, yeah I, I saw Gary. Like I had sort of gone into retirement, come back out of retirement in 2004 or five. I think I was still going to shows, you know, but I wasn't making anything. And I went to a show because I was making something, and I uh, met Gary Groth for the first time in person, <laughs> and. He was like, oh, you're the Storyville guy. Oh, yeah, I love that book. 
hey, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, but I just got that submission. I got around to that submission pack. Oh, my <laughs> God. Was, you know, and he was like, things have been kind of tough the last few years. You know, for everybody he meant, you know. So, like, it was just, you know, just to give you some perspective, like, it, you know, in 2005, like, I was, you know, a 15-year veteran, so to speak, just from always being involved. You mm-hmm. know, I was... I was 30, in my early 30s at that time, so now I'm in my early 40s, so this is, um, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to play, like, the the transition, I'm trying to uh, work the transition from from player to coach, you know, <laughs> you know? That's great. so, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in that for a lot of reasons, you know, because I've just, I've just, the way that we do shows in America the way that we sell comics in stores the way that we I don't know you know just all this stuff like I'm just intimately familiar with because um, I work at Copacetic Comics uh, a few times a month you know I've known uh, a a big retailer like Copacetic Billboy Show who's been selling comics through direct market since 1985 you know I've just watched all the ups and downs Um, of everything and so uh and the, even my own publisher you know the the venerated picture box uh closed its mm-hmm. doors right. uh, two years ago because just the north american marketplace is a very difficult place to be uh, an independent <clears throat> comics maker and there are some great success stories of course um but generally the uh, it's it's difficult to navigate so one of the things that like I've always felt that um making comics is drawing comics is not enough like I mean uh, I go by uh kind of like the zine makers DIY rule where there's four steps it's 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 the making it's the it's the it's the deciding you want to do it the making of it the printing of it and then the the distribution things I guess that's three things but you have to like get it out there in the world you can't Mm -hmm. just make it and 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 just let the Mona Lisa hang in your garage, so to speak, you know, so, you know, like the thing that I, uh, I am frustrated with, uh, with in North America is the way that comics is, um, uh, taught in schools or taught at all, Mm -hmm. or, um, who is teaching, who can teach, who can get a master's in comics, you know, like all these things are like really interesting questions. And I had a, a great talk with uh, Ben Catcher uh, a couple years ago, who basically, you know, who is a uh, associate professor at the New School in New York. And he basically told me like, you know, the universities are catching up with the culture. I mean, they're scrambling to try to figure out like this interdisciplinary form. And comics is the mm-hmm. interdisciplinary form. And I just thought like, you know, I just a light bulb went off in my head and I had already been doing um, sort of these workshops and things like, you know, when I would get to have a panel or something at, uh, at a show, like even 10 years ago, um, I sort of just got tired of like the endless parade of like, hi, my name is Joey Jojo and mm-hmm. here's my comic such right. and such such and <laughs> check me out and blah, blah, blah. And just me, 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 me. And you know, and I and tell us how you got into comics, and they just start with their childhood, and just like you know, these things would be so painful. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you right, know, right, right, right. 
So I just started doing more things like, hey, let's talk about color today. Mm -hmm. And like we would just talk about printing techniques. And I just got really into that stuff. Like I got really into like, oh, I don't know, calling up Steve Olaf of Ollie Optics, who, you know, famously colored uh, Akira in 1988 and who's one of the most prominent colorists in the industry. And just like picking his brain about like these old coloring systems from the 80s, you know, called Blue Line or Double Print Mm -hmm. Black, Gray Line or something. And and he'd laugh and why are you interested in this stuff? And I'd say, oh, I don't know, you know, just because I just like the way these comics look and I'd love to try to reproduce that somehow, whatever. But then that would start like, you know, we would do a, uh, I would do a post on like my blog or on Comics Comics or on the Comics Journal, you know. And so that gained a lot of traction, I noticed. So like, you know, m- during my, you know, career as a cartoonist, like, you know, I mean, I have a certain number of fans but my my work is is fairly like left field that only so many people even going to the you know indie shows are going to be interested in my work like and so i used to just treat being at a convention like just like any other flea market right you know and just start selling i started selling my old comics because Mm -hmm. I, i have all these old comics and then i would start making zines about like you know these color things i was talking about (laughs) so you know like it just became like this like because it was really modeled after uh my mentor bill boyshell of copacetic comics and he just always did that kind of stuff at the store you know well you know what can i let me just bust in here for a moment because um i mean you definitely i think you, you you've actually uh, what you were just talking about with Steve Olaf and everything, I want to kind of circle back to that sure. in a little bit, just because it does seem to me that a lot of this knowledge about comics, you know, since it went to the internet, has been is being lost completely. And you know, did you print any? And now I, I just this just happened this week. I'm I'm going back to being a print apostle. It's going to be all about print, all right? Because, <laughs> but now, did you print up any of this stuff in zines, or did you? Well, yeah, I mean, well, we did, we did. Um... Comics, comics. That's right. Which, that's right. Which was initially a zine, which was a newspaper, mm-hmm. which was uh, Dan Adel, Tim Hodler, uh, Mike Reddy, myself, um, and then a, a rotating cast. And so, yeah, I, I would interview like Kevin Nolan mm-hmm. for an art comic, for right. an art zine. Like you know, no, like I, I remember trying to give it to like John Cook at uh, 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 comic. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, John Cook, right? And so, like, I tried, and then he'd be like, well, we don't take submissions. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just giving that to you. And he just thought, like, (laughs) I remember we had the booth across from them at San Diego in, like, 2008. (laughs) You know, like, I thought they they were awesome. I was like, yeah, this is my favorite stuff to read. And then, like, they just thought we were, like, these weird kids, which is fine. We were these weird kids. But, like, you know, just because we're weird, arty kids that maybe you don't like our comics, like, we're still into this craft of comics and like right. and and comics book artists the magazine and everything that uh, mr cook was doing was so you know like i'm interested in that stuff mm-hmm. but so like there were these divisions that we still feel today like you know just between like the mainstream the indie the mid indie the lower indie the alt people you know like art people and so yes i would make zines and stuff but like what was so interesting was that how that brought so many different people actually to the table right you know and so then i'm having a conversation with i don't know paul pope you know Mm -hmm. uh i don't know darwin cook you know like seth uh you know uh chris oliveros ben catcher like we're just like you know they're at the show so we're just mingling but then the subject that we can 
discuss is old printing techniques, or, <laughs> you know, or stuff like that, because like that's our common ground. But then, is that not the tr- oral tradition of art? Mm-hmm. Period. And like that's what I'm interested in, and that culture, and that preservation of that culture. Even if it's the most, I don't care if it's nerdy. I don't care if it's obsessive. I don't care if it's uh, almost meaningless, like some of these coloring systems, like that I'm studying or something. Like, will I ever actually employ that? I don't know. But I, I like that stuff more than I like the, you know, what was Roy Crane doing on the morning of December seventh, nineteen forty-one? Like, tell us all about like. Right. Portrait, you <laughs> well, know, that stuff. informs so much of. Uh, you know what Roy Crane was doing. I mean the techniques and you know, and 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 procedures the various times obviously do have a whole huge, um, you know, influence. I mean, for, for, I've, just as an example, I mean, you know, the discovery of the risograph machine. Oh my god! I mean yeah. that has so changed the face it's of comics. It's so interesting. There's um, yeah, we were just discussing this recently, but it's coming up more and more, and like. I think you you and I spoke about this actually at, at, at Comics Art Brooklyn uh, uh, that, you know, Breakdown Press, like, you know, they just make everything themselves on a risograph and then mm-hmm. send it out to be bound. And yeah. they look just as per- – they look better than anything that's made, you know, like they can only do certain additions. But like for what they're trying to – you know, the bullseye they're trying to hit, they're right. hitting it. And that is – that's so different than, as you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago when you had to like come up with so much money to have like a nice offset mm-hmm. edition and then everybody got in these cheap digital right. editions and stuff like that. So – but what I, I guess what I'm just getting at, bottom line, is like that stuff for me had traction. Like, right. Some people like my work. Some people would read the Picture Box reissue of Storyville with the Chris Ware introduction. But some people could give a shit. And the, and the, and and I, I think a lot of people get butthurt in in comics where like yeah, he doesn't like my work. Well, <laughs> so what? Like, you want to talk to me about something else or not? Like, or do you want to just sit there and cry that I don't like your work and like you can tell I don't like your work and then you know or something like that? So like a lot of people just there's just this like friend economy or something or like economy and I and like hmm. I can. You know, famously, like I, I love telling the story because like Jacob Covey from Fanographics like came up to my table in like I don't know or San Diego in like two thousand eight or something, and was just like he looked through all the picture box stuff. You could tell he just didn't like it at all. And I was like, here, you might like this, you might like this, and I gave him something. You could just see it on his face; he didn't like it. And he just put it. Nah, it's okay. I don't like it. And it was my book, mm-hmm. you know. But then I was like, oh, okay. Well, then you might like this. And I picked up another book that Picture Box was offering, and like, you know, it's just a fucking flea market. The guy doesn't like my book. I don't mm-hmm. care, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just like you have to separate those attitudes, you, so you can still make those connections with people. And then I think a lot of people just like they get over. It. There were so many of the the, the buyers in our in, in in our field are the makers, especially with mm-hmm. art. Oh, I know. It is. I I call it like, you know, the Grateful Dead economy where everybody travels around and, you know, know, buys each other's shit, you know. And that's the way it is. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But like when you go to Europe or you go to South America or go to Japan, I haven't had the opportunity to go to Japan, but I have gone to South America and Europe. Like it's not like that at all. It's all folded together. They don't give you a table to sell your stuff. You're forced to act like an artist where your work is on the wall or being sold by somebody else and mingle and be social and be like an artist at an art opening at a gallery. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's awesome because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's going to happen. It's just that like, can the, can we 
transition, like can we keep our culture? And so keeping the culture, as corny as that sounds, is something I am genuinely interested in regardless of like financial gain or anything like that. It's the oral tradition tradition of comics. And like that's <laughs> what I'm I've always been about. But then when I started writing this stuff as like, I don't know, comics comics articles are getting paid slightly um you know, for different online publications to write reviews or something like that, you know, like that, that was, that gave me power. And I like that, like power, like meaning, like I just was like more connected to people. And then I started getting, you know, responses from like teachers and stuff like, Oh, I'm using or Carol Tyler told me that mm -hmm. she was using my, some of my articles on color to teach her class. Now let me just jump in here. Carol Tyler, the great Carol Tyler, uh, uh, you know, it's a wonderful cartoonist, and she lives in is she Cleveland or Chicago? I believe it's, I want to say it's Columbus or Akron. Columbus, yes, or Akron. Anyway, you know what? Fortunately, our knowledge of Midwestern geography That's is okay. terrible. Anyway, but she is uh, an amazing cartoonist, um, and, and, but yeah, she teaches. She teaches in the school. And boy, we could have a whole, we got to, you know what, we got to color. Oh man, that could be a whole. You know, that's a whole separate. Oh, episode. that could be a whole separate well, episode. That so might be for my beat podcast, but we'll have to do it as a video with like you know examples, and we can talk over them. But, but anyway, go yeah. on. So Carol was teaching your stuff, and yeah, Carol. No, so, but so you know, and and that was great. You know, like I was happy about that. You know, um, and then it just all this stuff was happening at the same time. It was probably like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So, um, you know, like I. I just had kind of realized like, oh, like I'm, you know, my comics, like I'm not really going to make any money. Like I always knew I wasn't going to make any money, yeah. my comics. But then, you know, there was a couple years there where you're like, I don't know, maybe I'll have a hit, you know, or something. <clears throat> and I, it also coincided with, I moved to uh, the middle of nowhere in the, in the high mountains of New Mexico. <laughs> I went on your, your uh, vision quest. Right? I went on my vision quest. Right. I, 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 um, I went out there to I had a girlfriend um who was from that area of the country and we just um we decided to like go on vacation in New Mexico and we liked it so much that we decided to try to move there and then so I had moved to New Mexico and then I knew that you know my money would run out and I knew that uh there was no jobs to be had out there but I didn't really understand what I was getting into when you get out there because there's just absolutely nothing like it's so so um sparsely populated that just like the idea of like any kind of schlubby job you could get in New York or Pittsburgh like was practically off the table so I just sort of had this like it all kind of came together in my mind I was just like cuz I had been studying um Milton Kniff and the famous artist school and Charles Landon and uh, the correspondence courses, the early part of the 20th century. And Roy Crane actually took these courses. Uh, 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 Karl Barks took these courses. You know, everybody, like every famous cartoonist took the Landon course, which started in 1903. And it's from Ohio. And I uh, was a Bill Boyshell, of course, showed me this book that somebody had made a facsimile edition of some of the tests and I kind of just had been home visiting from New Mexico and it all. And I had been writing these articles like that was around the time when Comics Comics, if for those super nerds out there, remember when Comics Comics, uh, Dan Down, Tim Hodler and I were approached uh, by Gary Groth to um, helm the 
Comics Journal, the the online version, TCJ. I mean, technically, you know, they he approached Dan um, and Tim and not me. I was just part of the package deal. Mm-hmm. But um, and so when we did that, like. I, I tried to go from like cheeky, like writing goofy stuff on comics, comics, which I liked doing and just kind of having fun with it to like, okay, well, if we're going to do something for the journal, like I'll do something a little more serious and I'll make things that um, are not uh, topical mm-hmm. and I will just write these posts that can be read, um, you know, years from now. And so I did like history of paper sizes in North America. Why is you know, eight and a half by 11 paper right. different than a one or a four or whatever, you know? And um, I got a good, really, really good response. And then Bill showed me this thing with the school, and I just thought, like, oh, I'll, I'll just do like those workshops because I had been doing. I don't know if you remember. I think maybe you came to one. I'm not sure, but like I was doing these um, uh, workshops in my s- sublet studio in New York City uh, on the on the West Side Highway, like below 14th Street. Right. Um, and so, like, like on a Saturday afternoon, you could come by, twenty bucks. Like, you know, I'd lead you through some exercises or whatever. And then I, those were like mini comic book cons, so I'd have like... Yeah, they were great, yeah. yeah. And so I just realized like, oh, I could just do that virtually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, And right. so I think I was so... Um, anyway, I made this correspondence course. I made an online correspondence course, and it, it worked. And I've been doing it for five years, and I now want to level up and do something different. I've always wanted to do like a master class of some sort but i can't figure out how to do it online a lot of students have approached me about doing things in person and i've always thought about hosting stuff in my studio in new york city but since that is only a summer sublet i need something more permanent and then um i thought about doing it stuff in my house here in pittsburgh but that seemed kind of impractical and then this wonderful opportunity the uh the house next door, actually next door, because it's a row house, so it's, you mm-hmm. know, imagine what that is. So it's like the corner lot. I'm the second. My house is the second lot in. This was my grandparents' house that I'm in, and um, and so I am purchasing the the unit next door, which has been vacant for about ten years, twenty years, um, and needs a lot of work. And I got it for a song. If I told mm-hmm. people how much I got it for, they would cry. Mm-hmm. And so then I did a yeah, but the uh, roof leaks, right? The roof, the roof leaks, leaks yeah, and stuff. Okay. There's a lot of work to be yeah. done, but um, basically I got it, you know, for the and you crowd and you you crowdfunded it. I crowdfunded it because like I didn't have the money because you are a cartoonist, so you don't have money to buy a sandwich, right. let alone right. a crumbling right. row house. That's right, and and it was in, it was an incredible process because when, um, especially in a blue collar town, when you tell like when I told family members like I'm going to ask total strangers and some friends <laughs> to give me money, to buy, and they were like, "What are you talking about?" And I would have to explain crowdfunding to them, and then they would be like, "Wait, what?" You know, and then like you know. It was imp- it was amazing, you know, uh, just the whole process of it. And I had a lot of help. Um, I had incredible help, um, and I could rattle off the list of people that helped me. But um, I think most of all was um, Michael Paisano who who made the video. Like I, I I just lucked out. I had this student who lives here in Pittsburgh who had graduated from my uh, online course, and when he heard that I was doing the crowdfund, he was like, "Oh, dude, I can help you." And then I had no idea he was such a pro. I mean, this so like the video, I think, and just the presentation of it, like we really sat on for a couple months instead of like in a panic, just like throwing up any, you know, crappy thing and just like, 
uh, hoping to get the money. Like we really, like I really took a lot of time and, and hired people to help me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they would give their, their time generally. But then I'm trying to now work with Michael Paisano, for example, as we move forward to uh, make content, I kind of want to be like the Bob Ross of comics, you know, I want to just like, you know, make a happy little tree and Mm -hmm. paint something, you know, like just make videos. And there's a lot of examples in film, in animation, like whatever I'm doing, like a maker, a pro, quote unquote, who then uh, uh, took a made a side road to like tutor uh, people within the industry is very common. I found in like anime animation, like animators who worked at Pixar or Disney or something like They'll just set up like a correspondence course. I mean, famously, John Kay uh, did that, you know. Right, he did, yeah. You know, and so like, and then there's people in movies, there's people in comedy. Like I get approached by all kinds of people when they find out that I have like this online school that they're like, I want to have like a comedy school. Right. So I want to do – so this is – that is a whole other uh, well, well, right. podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, let me ask you this though. I mean just as far as the correspondence school goes, I mean – you don't have to be accredited, obviously, but I mean, you know, you don't like it. It's a certificate program, yeah. Okay, so I mean, you just kind of... I don't know. believe in accreditation. Right, actually. right. Now, have you, I mean, I think any of our, now, of course, you know, I, I've known you for quite a long time, and, uh, you know, like I said, I went to some of your things, but for a listener who might not not be familiar with you and your, your works, I think by this time in the podcast, they've already figured out that you marched to the beat of your own drummer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, have you attempted to do any of your teaching through other institutions? Sure. I was. I taught at uh, Parsons, the new school, you know, oh, okay. in so. 2005, um, <clears throat> uh, six, yeah, five and six. Um, there was a moment there... Um, where Dan Nadal was uh, working uh, as an administrator uh, in the illustration department. And then um, I taught like a drawing course, just Mm -hmm. a, you know, foundation drawing course. And then the next year they just got rid of my foundation drawing course. So I was out of a job. And so they tend to do that, you know, and then like, and it's just such a square peg round hole thing. And then people were like, I just got honest to God, like just tired of people like, you know, cause it was obvious that I was like doing these workshops and doing stuff. And then people were like, you know, what you should do, you should go teach at SVA. Right. You know what you should do. Yeah. And I'm just that's like, like a very common thing that you hear from people. And that's fine. But like I have, and this is a whole other, <laughs> but like, I am just like, you know, like I'm just, what happened to all these DIY old school People like I know they need health insurance and stuff, but like, why are they joining the dark side to go give you know like our secrets away to these institutions that could give a fuck about us mm-hmm. forever? And now they well, want I don't, to. I don't think SVA uh, is quite well, that bad. I mean, that, I know okay, it's so controversial, my, but you have to like walk yeah, a mile in my sure shoes. Sure, I do. Like, so I understand. I, that. I, everybody like says like, "Oh well, Frank, you know, come on, calm down. It's cool, you know." <laughs> the people, but like, no, like it's just I'm just. It, it just aggravates me because, like, the worst students I had, and I'll go on record, it's like I've been all around, and the worst students I've encountered are at SVA. You know, like, they're, they're like, they're, they don't give a shit. They don't want to be there. Like, every once in a while, you'll meet a Connor Willemson or a Dash Shaw or something, or a Hazel Nulevant or something. But for the most part, like, those are suburban kids, rich kids that can afford to go to to an outrageously expensive school and, and they don't care. They're not hungry. And well, so- I would, well, you know what? I am going to, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. I mean, first off, 
SVA is a block from my house, so, you know, it's right. my home turf. And, of course, I mean, this is what everybody's always said. You know, it is a place where rich kids, you know, go to get their art degree. And, you know, so they Cooper, do. They so do, is Cooper and so is and, and yeah, NYU and And they do else. horrible little doodles. But I will say, you know, I go to their... And you know, maybe I'd, I'd love to get your your thoughts on this. You know, as as you've been doing this for a while, I mean, I would have to say that even when I go to, you know, Fresh Meat, which is their yearly show, there where you know everybody sets up. And I mean, I would say, ten years ago when I went, even ten years ago, it was mostly some really bad wannabe superhero artists and some pretty not so great wannabe manga artists. And then you know there would be a dash saw here or, you know, here or there. And but in recent years, I mean, you know, they've had a pretty bumper crop a couple of years ago. With hey, there was well, a class that had Hazel and Molly Ostertag, and I mean, that's yeah. great and everything. But I don't like. I'm competitive. Like you know, mm-hmm. to me, I'm the Chicago Bulls. I'm Phil Jackson. Like yeah. I'm, I want to have a Michael Jordan that will just crush the other yeah. team. You know, so like it's no, it's nothing against them. No, it's just like I I'm just you. trying to be. I'm just trying to be like realistic. Like the kids that I want to teach. You know the 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 kids in my neighborhood mm-hmm. who will never get out of this neighborhood and never go to SVA and right. never have twenty five thousand dollars a year to go to comic school. I am going to teach them comics, and I teach them comics for about five hundred dollars uh, for two months. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like let's talk realistically about the opportunities for people to gain an education, right? right. And that's the conversation I want to have. And so, like, I don't give a shit what any of these major universities have to say and I'm sort of that's why I'm kind of like you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm cagey where like some of my friends who are teaching at these places because it's just like what you couldn't start your own school and they're like well I don't need the health insurance and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like okay <laughs> like, you know you fucking punk like how punk is that like you know I, I get it but it's just like that's the attitude or the fire in my belly that I'm trying to, to keep stoked mm-hmm. you know because like that's the stuff like passionate is a code word for hot-headed dago. Like everyone's like, Frank, you're so passionate. You know? <laughs> and it's just like it's and, – and, and I appreciate it. But really what they're saying is like you're a little angry. You're a little aggro. You need to calm down and back off a little bit. And and I I just have like a, this an, a, a enormous chip on my shoulder because like I've been told by so many people for so much of my career that I should not do comics especially in the education field, you know, especially being taught, especially like when I went to, you know, or even when I taught at, 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 at Parsons, like, you know, they just wanted me to co- concentrate on drawing. Like, don't teach them sequencing. Like, they don't need to know that stuff. You know, just teach them the drawing stuff. So, you know, like, I just think that our culture is important to preserve without diluting it for all the literary types, the art world types, whoever else that wants to, like, kind of slum it if you will, with us, you know, and then take all our trade secrets and our syllabuses and everything and then just like give some person who's never done a comic in their life really but who has an MFA to be able to teach kids comics and Mm -hmm. give those kids an MFA in comics. I mean, that's bullshit. Right. You know? No, I understand. No, and I think you're, you know, I think where you're coming at it from is, is really more like visceral i mean there's so many people who do get into comics for for just you know 
it's a driving need. You know, they just need to do it. I mean, I taught, you know, I do plenty of interviews where I start, where I started off with you. You know, where I'm like, well, how did you get into comics? When did you first want to be a cartoonist? But to me, that's a great question because then it does reveal where that passion comes from. Sure. You know? And so, I mean, I think what you're talking about is something, you know, I mean, you know, you're obviously no Mr. Miyagi. You know, and 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 you're not, you're but you're not the guy in Whiplash. Well, I'm, 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 Hopefully, I'm, I'm, you're I'm, not I'm, quite I'm like. I'm from uh, from 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 Remo Williams. Like I was like the. Yes, I'm, there you go. Well, have you seen uh, Whiplash? <laughs> have you seen the movie Whiplash? No, I don't know. Oh my God! Oh, you don't get how funny that joke is. Then, oh, and all our listeners are laughing. <laughs> um, well, you know, the guy is like the drumming teacher, and he's just he's you know abusive, but but he, he eventually <laughs> like he he makes the kid drum until his hands are bleeding, and you know like like and he oh. it, it it hits the ultimate extension sure. of of uh, good is the enemy of the great, you know. Sure. But uh, I I highly highly right, recommend I'll, you watch sure, Whiplash. As soon as this I is think over, you, I will check yes, it out. Yes, yes, you you joke, must yeah. you must watch Whiplash. But anyway. So I hope I think your method. Well, I'll dial it down. I mean, I'll dial it down. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm, You're I'm not gonna, gonna scare gonna the go children. The, yeah. the deep end here, but you know, and you can edit all this out. But no, I, I can't edit it out. It's all live, so it's gonna be one of our NSFW. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, no, it's cool. I just like you know, I just I I just really bristle when pe- people. You know, my therapist just said, like, don't ever tell someone, you know what you should do. Mm. Like, it is the worst yeah. thing. You know, people love to just offer free advice. You know what you should do. You know what you should do. And so, I don't know. Whatever I'm doing, you know, I don't see other like, I don't see other schools, whether they're, like, top flight universities or rinky-dink comic book schools that – promote their kids Mm -hmm. really you know like you know like i make a daily effort of you know hyping up and promoting students who have gone through my program you know and so it's just like i'm creating a platform for which then they can be out in the world like i don't see like how come most of these schools don't have like a practically have a comic book store downstairs or whatever and then like publish the kids who come out of the school and then promote them and then like you know it shows like you have these schools that have a presence at the show but like they just have like a table with like some intern representative who doesn't want to be there you know or something and so like i don't know like i just think like the whole thing's got to change like you know when you go to these festivals in europe you know they don't give you a table to sit there you know so what's your presentation well my presentation was like i felt like i was like on the voice or something like i just brought out like my best students and just made this like fireworks type display i had them like you know like fainting like you know people were going crazy it was like a, 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 a rock an arena thing, you know, <laughs> you know and so like, they have a very different but but yeah it's 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 fascinating although it's you know what i mean i saw you and i were at the same angulam last year in 2014 and uh i remember running into you and dash well we were all on the same flight this sure, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. uh yeah and you know that was my first time ever at angulam and it, you know it was the greatest thing ever but uh, but i so I maybe it's just the world culture, but it wasn't quite as different as I thought it would be either. You know, it felt, no, it it's felt still fairly familiar park. to me. Yeah, it's still a flea market. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, let me ask you about about. So just just if you can explain. So so you have this building now. Are you going to have like? And you know, I just interviewed 
Uh, no, I hope not to ignite fireworks here, but uh, I just interviewed Tom Hart not too long ago. I love Tom. Yes, I yes. Tom is a huge inspiration yes, for, there you for go. what I'm All doing right. because, you know, Tom, that's what I mean. Tom thought outside the box and, and, and him and Leah decided to, uh, to, 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 mm-hmm. to make that happen. And I think that's wonderful because it's punk. Like that's Tom comes from right. this, you know, the 90s mini comics revolution. Like, you know, like that's exactly what i'm talking about you know like i and i i want to see more of those i i you know i hope i've heard other i i mean i've already seen stuff like in the last couple of months honestly like people just announcing that they're you know offering classes or doing something and like and i think that's that's great it's just like announcing you're a record label mm-hmm. or a comics label or something so yes like tom like saw like sequential artist workshop like yes like have you been there have you been down there no like i haven't had the opportunity like well and then again that but that's it's not that i don't want to go teach at ccs or teach at sva or to go do workshops at these places but you know at the end of the day like you know it's coke and pepsi and and seven up and everything else like you know so like i i do want to try to keep like to me i think of it as like a martial arts academy like so it's like we're all we all we might all practice kung fu or karate or something but then we have our own style right. within that and then there's just different schools and different schools of thought like well, period end of story well you've been calling it a dojo you've been calling your school yeah. a dojo now now what is you know you're going to get this building renovated so you know fixing up patching up the, the roof and all that but i mean what is the ultimate form of of what you want this institution to be okay so for example like on the first wednesday of every month we do an open comics workshop at a cafe here in town in the same building as Cope City Comics and then another uh, like the third you know, Saturday of the month we do it at a different coffee shop so for, first of all we could host those things here because we, we are getting so many people at these workshops that we can't even like take over the cafe anymore and I actually pay rent at the cafe for them to s- stay open an extra couple an extra hour or so and so like it's just this missed opportunity where like I get all these people together and then I have to like you know disband them at you know after two or three hours you know so first and foremost we would host those things here so that like twice a month there would be these free open workshops you come hang out i can fit 20 people in the living room dining room you know Mm -hmm. so so then that's the dojo aspect of it and what i mean by that is like you know good is the enemy of great right Mm -hmm. so that we will really have hard uh crits and stuff like that and i and i won't just be as as kid glovey as I am at some of these other workshops, and then the real focus of uh, the house is and the dojo is to be a residency where one or two students will live at a time for a weekend, a week, a month, whatever, and then I will go have daily lessons with them and we will quote unquote spar a little mm-hmm. bit so we will like draw together we will have focus like individual yoda training and stuff <laughs> like that and i will just like put them to the paces <clears throat> and then and then they will and then class will be over and then they will be over there just drawing like there's no separation between like they work at this space and then they have to go to some other you know to go home or something at the end of the night whatever and so just to try to change the dynamic, you know, because uh, most people draw comics at home. Mm-hmm. They don't draw comics at a studio. And even if you draw comics at the studio, generally those studios are pretty homey. You could just kind of live there, you know. And so, like, I just wanted to recreate more of an artist studio, a comic book artist studio 
And then, you know, I had this great resource of uh, my mother is still alive. She lives on this street. She's retired now. She's <laughs> up to cook. And so um, everybody shows up, gets a lasagna, and you, that'll probably last you for a couple of days. And then, you know, I'll, I'll basically like free dinner, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, and then, you know, and just like the community of Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is arguably one of the greatest comic book towns in the world right now. I mean, the number of like high-level professionals that we – have in Pittsburgh right now, and the and mm-hmm. the and 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 really like the crop, like the the proof is in the pudding. Like I mean, myself, uh, Ed Piscor, Jim Rugg, Tom Scioli, um, to name only a few, um, have just like I think because of Bill Boy Shell and Copacetic Comics seeding uh, this fertile ground here. I mean, we've all. Uh, uh, flowered, I think, into strong professionals who have interesting careers and who are all very craft-minded uh, and stuff like that. We sort of have like a school of thought here in Pittsburgh that directly descends from Bill. So, like, really, really want to know? I'm just doing Bill. Like, I'm just doing my best Bill impression. What is what is Bill's name now? Boy, boy, how do you Boyshell. Boyshell. It's like a, a B O I C H E L. Okay, okay. Yeah. Just for those who might want to Google him, but um. You know, yes, Copacetic. Uh, uh, let me ask you this, though. Uh, I mean, you know, I think, you, you know, you four are probably the best known of the Pittsburgh school. But, I mean, definitely. And, you know, I see this Bad. here in New oh, York. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the flight is is in, insane. I mean, it's just impossible to live here, you know, as a sure. as a, an emerging artist. Yes. And, and Pittsburgh still is relatively yeah. affordable, I understand. So Yes. And so and then so we are having some. uh you know, we, we, I want people to move here, but then it's, you better hurry up because it's mm-hmm. going to be over in two seconds. It's just like when everyone decides like, but like a couple years ago, everyone was like, I know I'm moving to Detroit, mm-hmm. but like, there's nothing in Detroit, like God bless Detroit, but like, there's nothing there. Like Pittsburgh, we still have this like this university infrastructure and stuff like that. It's not going to die, mm-hmm. you know? So like, um, there's a, well, you say that now, but no, no, I, I, don't know, you, I know, I know, I know. You got the Steelers no, there, no, no, so no, you know you're. It's done. It's a done. You know the yeah. the, the wisdom alliance of my the psychic girl has spoken, and like you know. <laughs> um, well, you know, let me let me let me ask you about you know the work that you four do. I mean, do you think? I mean, I do think there is kind of a pulp sensibility, maybe to. Sure. To the Pittsburgh school? I mean, do you sure. think that there's a shared aesthetic besides, you know, sure. a fascination with Yeah, a with, lot of people printing? say it's like the Pittsburgh coloring school or something. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's interesting because, like, you could – one could argue that it's uh, directly descended from Jim Rugg who kind of invented this, like, sampling style, like, God, you know, almost 10 years ago. Um, there's my cuckoo clock. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon here. Um, okay, so, um, but then really it was like from Bill, like Bill um, was really interested in printing and color, and I was too. And in the 90s, we had a, a kind of the precursor of what is a Rhizo machine where you could change the color drums and it wasn't a color copy and you could do cheap spot color stuff. And so we used to make zines like that. So um, I was always really interested in color, and then a lot of that like stuff where I was like saying earlier, where I was like interviewing Steve Olaf or writing about these processes and stuff. Like you know, we would just have again this like kind of community headspace, and we just share all those ideas and just talk and talk and talk and talk. And then like you know, I think we all borrowed from each other, you know. And like Tom Scioli has taken like this way that I 
uh, colored my comic Cold Heat with Ben Jones to kind of like this whole other level with G.I. Joe versus Transformers. I mean, it's incredible. It's one of the most avant-garde comics I've ever seen, and it's disguised as a G.I. Joe Transformers comic. I mean, the th- it's like I've never seen such out there coloring and process making. He draws the whole thing in pencil. He inks some of it digitally, colors it. He does all this crazy stuff. I mean, Ed Piscor is a whole podcast unto himself. Oh, yeah. Jim I- Rugg, the same thing. I mean, the, I mean, all of those young men are incredibly talented just like it just their craft like mm-hmm. let alone their um like the content you know so you know there's just we're not you know like and we're not just these kind of kids sitting on the bench right you know you know i mean ed is arguably the most dominant player in the in the at least on my side of the court mm-hmm. you know right now and then Jim is no slouch and Tom is no slouch mm-hmm. you know well, Tom and, really you know tore it up with the uh... You know, what was Godzilla versus, uh, or Transformers versus G.I. Joe? I'm sorry, it's I'm forgetting it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, and I mean the, you know, this sounded like a really dumb book, but I mean, he made yeah. it amazing, you know? It's incredible. But you don't, know, you, the, don't, you know, let me ask you, but let me, let me ask you this, though. Don't you think it's interesting? Let's get back a little bit to, you know, like when you debuted, you did this really beautiful story, heartfelt story about a, you know, a young man on a journey and. You know, it was kind of, you know, Storyville sure, is... Pulpy stuff. Okay, it, I know where you're but, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of a classic um, sure. indie comic. <laughs> sure. And, and I think one of the things that's interesting about, certainly what you and, and Dan and, and uh, Tim were doing at, at Comics Comics was you were kind of opening up, you know, I mean, I just wrote... Sure some... You would really understand this because, like, look, you remember back then there were two sides of the fence. There yes. were the people that wanted to be literary comics. They were like, they were, they, they wanted to abandon comics right. as it was, okay? And then you had these other people who were, like, comics nerds, essentially, who liked all that literary comic stuff but just weren't that, like, you know, it wasn't like, well, I'm not going to give up reading my, you know, Alex Toth Batman right. thing or whatever. Like, maybe I, I have to read it under the covers, the flashlight. Yeah, you know, and so it's forty years so, old. Like, but I sure. wanted to like, so there was just this thing in the air in like 2004 or five where it was like, you know, it was just like you're either with us or against this kind of thing with this literary comics, and I just I didn't like that, you know, like I didn't like that at all for a million reasons because there were so many of my friends who I grew up with who were very educated comics readers who were more like, I don't know, were into like, you know, whatever, like Dark Horse stuff or, uh, you know, Top Shelf or something like more like centrist kind of concerns. And then like the, you know, the Seths and the Art Spiegelmans and the Chester Browns and D&Q kind of mentality was like, no, is like scorched earth. Like, no, we must just abandon our comics roots. And so, like, I – Comics Comics, the, the blog and the, and the zine and everything was just trying to make a playground for everybody to hang out so we could mm-hmm. talk about Akira. Can we just right. talk about Akira? Right. Do you like Akira? Well, you don't like Akira? I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't like Akira. <laughs> you know? So it's just like that kind of stuff. Like, if you're just – and then so, like, Seth, like, famously – I mean, to me, it's not a famous story. But it's just like, you know, he, he kind of cornered me at a, at a convention – you know, not corner me, but we had a, a very honest conversation. He was like, do you really like Marshall Rogers and all that stuff? And I was like, yeah. I, and I could see his brow and, furrowing and, like, and him and, 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 concerned and like, for you. And he was like, I can understand it from a craft level and stuff, but like, why are you writing about it? 
And I was like, I'm trying to get those people that like Marshall Rogers to come to the party, man. You know, like I, I, it's not about like, you know, it's just that there's so many people that are like centrist in their views on comics and like they want to hang out with all the arty, you know, Fort Thunder people, but they're just, you know, like they're just, that's just not their, what they draw or what they, they like it. They want to like it more, but maybe, so like you kind of have to meet them halfway. And I don't think that that's, that's asking too much of the, you know, of the literary types or something like, you know, you can just like a trashy comic. And, and so that was sort of like a badge of honor in like 2005, six. And so that's, I mean, I remember like when we did cold heat, people were like i mean it was a girl ninja comic so we were supposed to be these like avant-garde literary type uh, picture box avant-garde literary type publisher who had you know like these ends with the design crowd and stuff and so when they saw that we were doing a ninja comic they just laughed like this is stupid why are you doing this this is so stupid and we were doing it on purpose to show you like look you can just do a genre comic and still make it like really arty and poetic and like a fucking tarkovsky movie or something but it's Iron Man, who gives a shit, you know, like, just do it, just like mash up all these genres. And then so you saw, saw that break, because then like you saw your Ben Maris come out of that. And eventually, like, uh, Mikel Fife and, uh, 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 you know, to name a few. Yeah, well, Chuck, Chuck Forsman, he's Chuck doing Forsman Revenge now. now. Yeah, so, so much in like, that. Yeah. And, so, and, and the only I would just caution the only downside of that is a little like boys clubby, you know, where it's just like this male, it's just perpetuates the kind of like male. Fantasy. A little bit, but you know, like Katie yeah. Skelly is doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, that's sort of like that. You read my mind. Ah, oh, there you go. My mind, because like I had a conversation with um, Darwin Cook of all people uh, recently, and just about like you know how, what he likes that she's doing is she's riffing on like these older forms, just like the boys do, but because it's what she sees, it's more interesting, and I just. So again, genre is just a facet of the jewel, you know, uh, of comics making. You know, you you don't have to make genre, but I would argue that autobiography and like the classic mopey white guy walking around is a genre. Mm-hmm. You know, so like just because you do memoir, a memoir is a genre. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. interesting because uh, you know I do think like um, I, I keep meaning to do a whole post about this, but you know, time is so precious, as I'm sure you know. Um, like I, I think what Fra- um, Youth in Decline is doing with yeah. Frontiers, you know, I mean it's kind of, oh, yeah. and, oh, and yeah. you know, everybody's gone so, uh, you know, Killing and Dying. Adrian Tomine's new book has gotten such, a, you know, incredible acclaim as well. It should. I mean, it's a, an amazingly sure. beautiful, beautiful book. I think oh, it's the fine, and I think it's the finest work he's ever done by a, by a country mile. But I think you know, and it's getting like A.O. Scott, the New York Times film critic. Oh, I know, I saw that. Was but, but I'm also like, I feel like if A.O. Scott could somehow be exposed to some of the stuff coming out in, you know, Frontiers from like Jillian Tamaki and Sophia Foster Domino, and well, you know, it'll be, you know, how this works. It's going to be like five or ten years. You know, it's yeah. just, like, it's just such a, it's, and that's what's hard for I think for for people like yourself and and me and people who are really in the trenches is like. You know, we've just been waiting for so long for it just to turn, and it is really turning. We've noticed it. Oh, it has. I mean, it's just like I mean, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about, like, like just that, just complete, like it's it's just cultural across the board, and 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 I'm ready for that. But that's what I mean Mm -hmm. is like I'm trying to. I want to preserve these little traditions and this little bit of subcultureiness of it, and just like 
yes, A.O. Scott reviewing comics, and if he could look at uh, Chuck Forsman or something like that, it might be really interesting because – but then I also think that that – I'm not saying that it might not be true, but I've – I mean you've heard this too. Like, you know, Gary Groth famously told me – I keep saying this famous story because in my mind it's a famous story. But he just thought that if you just got Love and Rockets in front of people in the bookstores, buy it. Right, right, yes, and I, you know what, I was an adherent of that for the, you know, it was, it was the putting the, the uh, durian by the milk idea, you know, <laughs> like if you just put durian by milk, everybody's going to buy durian, Yeah. you know, and um, you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't, well, you have to be a little smarter, I mean, that's just the, kind of the inclusiveness of comics, you know, have you seen, speaking of, I've been dying to find someone to talk to this, about this with, have you seen... Uh, ge- generous bosom. Yeah. Like, okay. uh, oh my God! Like the second volume of it. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. But that's what I mean. Is like that they printed that themselves. Okay, so I generous know. bosom for our readers out there is a is a book by Connor Stelschut. Yeah, Stelschut. I can't actually say his name. I've never heard it said aloud. S T E L S. Stelschulte, I believe it's pronounced. Um from Breakdown Press. It is a risograph book of about three or four colors. It is perfect bound. Um, and it's just, it's like a printmaker's dream, you know, I mean, it is one of the most, uh, poetic uses of color I've seen in a long time in a comic. And, uh, and so like, yeah, that kind of stuff, like it's going to be 10 years. Yeah. But I mean, it's also just, it's an incredible story. Oh yeah. It's it's, it's like killing it. Listen, if you liked killing and dying, go pick up generous bosom. I mean, you can't do it because it's a, you know, very limited edition, a risograph. Go to to breakdown press. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure that will be reprinted. But anyway, you're in 10 years. What's going to happen? Tell us about 10 years. It's just like, I I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. I hope we're still around, but like, you know, just some of these like these apocalyptic arguments that we used to have i think about like is print gonna die or whatever i mean that's just to get back to your circle back to one of the points i heard you make earlier was like you know all about print is like that's what's interesting about the breakdown stuff for me is because you know i've noticed some uh longtime veterans in the scene who are uh making more of a living by doing limited edition runs like 100 copies whatever um, just like it's 1996 all over again, right. and 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 even if they have the book deal with a fairly major publisher, you know the reality is you're only going to make a couple grand off of that, and once it's uh, uh, run through its print run, they're not going to reprint it probably. Mm-hmm. And so you may reprint it yourself, but you're probably not going to have the 10 grand or so it's going to cost to reprint it. And so, like, what do you do? So I've just seen peers uh like ron Regi jr who is just consistently making uh small editions now and you know ron uh, has very successful books at other publishers uh besides his own publishing house you know so just like you know just to point that out like breakdown is in that like i think there's like a new thing with the risos where like you can have these nice editions and like you make more money selling these little editions than you do like selling your book to a book publisher that's going to like put it out and and have a perfect perfect bound and stuff like if you keep it in print you could you know like bone you know jeff smith's uh 
motto was always keep it in print. Mm-hmm. You know, and like yeah. you see this a million times where it's just like the book comes out, the first issue is awesome, and then like you can't get the first issue, so you're not going to think you're going to wait for the trade. Well, the trade never fucking comes out. Right. Or you know, the thing never happens. You know, and it's so insanely frustrating. You know, so I'm just thinking that maybe this print thing is going to work. And I know we're running out of time, and I yeah. just want to go back. To well, you. I know. I it's it's we could you know you do a podcast yourself, correct? Um, we're gonna do that with the school. Okay, we? all right. I know you you're a frequent podcast get podcast guest, and it's easy to see why. Um, you know, we could easily continue this. I, you're, I just appreciate your encyclopedic knowledge. Like, I can throw anything at you. you know, <laughs> I mean, you're, well, I'm doing this a long time. No, you're the best. I mean, I really, I really do appreciate this back and forth because it's just like you understand all these different sides of the fence. It's a huge playground and place here. It is, and it's very right. – and, I, you know, what's – just – did you see the um, the site Loser City is doing a top 100 comics for the last five years? <laughs> no, yeah, and and there's actually, I mean, you, you know, like you, I think you and I both share this kind of um, institutional history, you know, where we're very interested in who's doing what, when, and how that branches off. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a lot of people in there who are very, very, you know, they're young, they're millennials, and they, uh, and they really have a whole different view of comics than than what. Oh the, yeah, yeah. I, you yeah. should check it out because That's I mean I idea. I mean I saw some books that I you know adore that are like at 99. So I'm I, I'm like I'm waiting to see the top 10 before I really let these kids have <laughs> yeah. it. But um. But uh, but I mean I'm fascinated just to see the viewpoint on it, you know, and and even f- from that, I mean just looking at the the work that's been done just in the last six oh, years, yeah. it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean we are so far into this golden age, you know. If there was only more money involved, it would be fantastic. But but you know, I mean what we have is pretty good. It's changing. No, but I I I hear what you're saying. I mean that is that could be a whole other podcast because there, it is true. There's so many people who are now involved in comics who maybe been involved in comics for some time now who just did not come up through the subculture that we know right right and that's fascinating it is it is yeah. and and uh you know they don't know that they're different <laughs> we're the only ones who think that so right. but, I know. they but, think i know i know yeah and, yeah well, that's just like film or any other industry i mean i'm sure that there was like these you know pockets and then there's these kind of what you call vertical invaders but you know um I guess uh, I, I guess I'll just let you wrap it up, but I just um, wanted to just say, you know, uh, thank you so much for um, having me on here and everything. And just like if anybody is interested in the school, um, please uh, email me uh, Santoro School S A N T O R O Santoro School one word at Gmail um, or check out comicsworkbook.tumblr. Um, and I am Santoro.Frank on Instagram. Yeah, check out especially the Tumblr because you have some amazing stuff on there and you have work by your students and, yeah. you know, and I mean, some of your students are actually established, you know, what I would oh, call in Some of my cartoon. students are like Michael Jordan. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, Jay it's Lee not, or yeah, this is yeah. not, this is not, you know, little scribbles. Uh, at all. This is very pretty, very high level stuff. Not the stuff. dog pony show. Yeah, no, this is... no. Well, listen, Frank, I don't know where it's going, but I'm sure that your dojo is going to be part of where it's going. <laughs> so, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to being part of the ecosystem yeah. of comics learning institutions. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, great. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much. And uh, as always, there's more to come.